All right. Welcome, welcome to the RC Report. I am your host, RC Carlton, and we are back at it. We've covered the election with Actively Lazy, and we did a lot of Wakanda issues. But now back to get to the political junkie area, and I brought on my favorite guest, Joe Matz. How are you today, Joe? I mean, I'm good now that this election is over. I can relax a little bit. Yeah, yeah, over. I have to, oh my gosh, I've had to talk so many friends, all liberals, off the ledge daily because they're bringing me all the conspiracies, all the possibilities, all of the nuance of the lawsuits. And I've been telling them since election night, not like I wouldn't say that. I've been telling them since Wednesday morning, it's going to be fine. He's going to win. It's going to be done. This, this is a done deal. This is a slow death for Trump. Very, very slow. But take me back to election <laughs> night for you. What was that like for you? Uh, stressful because like a little extra stressful this time because the night before I posted my own predictions. So I was on the record saying Biden had a 96% chance of winning. You know, he was going to win over 300 electoral votes. So I was like, cool, <laughs> if this goes wrong, you know, obviously all, all the bigger things about our country and where we were headed, but also I was going to look really fucking stupid. <laughs> so that added just a little bit of extra stress. And, you know, the whole week leading up to it, I've been posting articles on Facebook telling people we're probably not going to know who won on Tuesday night. The Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, probably three, maybe the three biggest states in the election. They all were going to count the mail-in ballot second, which meant Biden was going to look like he was going to losing, like he was losing those states, even though he would probably win them. But then, yeah, on the actual election night, as soon as, you know, Florida does what Florida does, start getting flashbacks to 2016 and I kept trying to tell myself, no, it's more like it's going to be 2018 where it looked okay and turned out to be a great win. It turned out to be exactly in between in the end, since the Senate did not go the way Democrats wanted, but they did get the presidency, but up and right up until the AP and Fox called Arizona, probably prematurely, even though they'll be right. But right up until they called it, that was the height of my stress. At that point, I thought it was 50-50, could go any which way. And once they called it, that calmed me back down. It was funny, too, because, and we can get to the polling later. I want to get ahead of myself. But I think part of it was that most people didn't know the order. I didn't know the order. I didn't realize that they were going to be counting mail-in ballot last <laughs> in a lot of these states. But also... And and that's the Republican uh, legislatures, state legislatures doing in a lot of these states. But also, I think that the first domino, well, hell, there was a lot of talk about Texas, which I knew wasn't realistic, but I thought it would be like a, maybe two or three points in Texas and it didn't end up being that, if, if I remember right. correctly. Uh, but the first domino was supposed to be Florida. So I actually thought, my predictions, I want to tout them, I think I had Biden getting 313 electoral votes, and I think right now he has 306, depending on what states they call, you know. But That's where it's headed, yeah. Yeah, so he's got my pretty close. Like, I'm off a of state, so I was right on it. I, I, all of the places had, most of the places had 
Biden up in Florida. But I felt like I heard a lot about the Hispanic situation and the Cuban uh, situation in Miami-Dade. So I thought Trump would take that out and, and, and win that. But I was right. But the the, the experts in 538 wasn't right. So I, re- I started to panic because I was like, oh, no, if they're not right about this, <laughs> then maybe they're not right about the rest of it. And we got 2016 all over again. I remember the New York Times needle. If you're not familiar with that, the New York Times had like a needle, probability needle in 2016. And they cowardly, as our president says, the failing New York Times, our president, not much longer, but our president (laughs) says the failing New York Times had the needle and it was like 75%, 80% Hillary. And over the night, it switched back to Trump. I actually thought the probability needle was great because it showed you what was going on in the election. But for some reason, they looked at it as a failure. Right, I think 538 had it too. And so they only had it for the states. But anyway, they the the Trump side was favored. And then, and then the betting markets, and this is where Corey and Allen started getting to it, the betting markets started to favor, like a live game. It started to favor Trump. So I really started to get that 2016 vibe where everything I knew about politics was wrong again. Yeah, um, I had Florida going for Biden. I just kind of figured Hillary only lost it by a little over 1%. So it seemed like the overall, the movement of the country would carry Biden over that. But that was definitely the state that I called for Biden. Well, I honestly, my... my my predictions were pretty much just, I think, exactly what 538 and The Economist had, because they both had their models. Mm-hmm. And they both had him as a slight favorite in North Carolina and Florida, which are the two that are going to be wrong from the prediction models. But that was the one. Florida's just always the one. You just never know. So I wasn't Florida super man. freaked out by it. <laughs> but that was that was the state where Biden won it. We were going to know. That was the like the chance that we would know early, like, oh, he won. So when that didn't happen, it was like, well, shit, now I'm definitely going to be stressed for the rest of tonight. Yeah, it's but like we're in for a long I was, the surprise to The surprise to me was Georgia going for Biden while North Carolina and Florida did not. I did not expect that. So I was like, it was a toss-up between Georgia and North Carolina. I knew he would get one of them, but I did hear about the good stuff with Stacey Abrams, and I knew the black community was very energized in Georgia. Yeah. So I thought he had a shot, but that was the... The prediction that I made that I was least uh, confident in, and but I, mm-hmm. but I went with it because I was like, well, no, I think Biden's going to win very convincingly in the election electoral college. Uh, for me, I knew it was over when I woke up Wednesday night. I mean Wednesday morning, and I was looking at <laughs> what was left to count. I, I realized mm-hmm. that in Pennsylvania and in Georgia in particular, not as much in Arizona because that's your state, but they do a lot of mail-in ballots anyway, so it's not necessarily Democrat or Republican leaning. That's how your state does it. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I I gathered from it. Um, But I knew that the black areas in Atlanta, basically Fulton County, in Philadelphia, in in Pennsylvania, those were left, and most of those were mail-in ballots. And so, as I said on another podcast, and I said on my page, I said it many times. There were no, there weren't any more white people for Trump to count. Want any more white? Trump ran out of white people, basically. 
And so that's when I knew it was over Wednesday morning when I surveyed it. When did you know it was over? Uh, really similar timing. When I By the time I woke up out here in Colorado, I think uh, Biden was already ahead in the counts in Wisconsin and Michigan, I believe. And yeah, everything in Pennsylvania was trending towards Biden. So at that point, and yeah, and then Georgia was still up in the air and it looked like Arizona was Biden. So at that point, I was very confident that it was just a matter of time. And it obviously took longer than anyone wanted. But yeah, by Wednesday morning, it was pretty clear how this was going to end. And of course, Trump, I can't remember. It's all like one long day. It kind of, it, the fact that it took so long in this this year where 2020 where everything starts to run together and all these election days start to run together it's kind of ironic but Trump came out I think it was Wednesday and said that he won and he said there was all kind of fraud and blah 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 what god I don't even know where to start with him but break down and talk about Trump's behavior post election or post-November 3rd, anyway. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I definitely can't say any of it's surprising at this point. I think, you know, anyone who expected him to go out as, a, like, a true statesman <laughs> was, has just not been paying attention the last four years. So none of this is a surprise. Um, I mean, just to, to get out ahead of it, to your point about how you've had to calm down a bunch of your liberal friends, I mean... You know, I've, I've seen on Twitter this talk about, oh, we're witnessing an attempted coup and whatnot. And, I mean, maybe Trump really is trying to attempt a coup. I don't know. But he's not going to succeed. I think that's the number one thing people should keep in mind is it's not like he, he doesn't have the military on his side. You know, I, the Republicans backing him up, like, I think McConnell's even said, like, oh, he should challenge whatever he needs to challenge. Like they, none of them think, none of the ones who have half a brain inside of reality think he's going to win. It's more about the runoffs in Georgia, fundraising, stuff like that. So just number one, people should not get overly concerned about the immediate effects of what Trump is doing. But I think long term, this is going to just continue the damage that he's created over the last four years. I know that uh, there was a, the Washington Post came out with an article today from an organization, I think it's based at a Swedish university that like analyzes democracies. And they had, they came out with a number of graphs showing like the Democratic Republican Party's dedication towards democracy, like how supportive they were in statements and stuff. And it goes back from 1970 to 2018 and it's just like two parallel lines of like super supportive of democracy. And then the late 90s, you see a slight turn down in Republicans, but it's, you know, not nothing to worry about. And then all of a sudden, like the mid 2010s happen and there's a sharp dive in Republicans being supportive of democracy, Republicans consistently attacking the other side more so than even proposing their own policies and even encouraging violence you see a sharp turn in the mid-2010s, which, and a smaller one on some of those when Obama gets elected. So you, you see what happens over the last 12 years where Obama gets elected. That obviously motivated the people who are the most fervent Trump supporters. And I think 
you know, as far as the Republican Party, I can understand the short-term reasons they're doing this. Again, this probably helps them in Georgia. You know, they're they're sending out these emails from, you know, I, I have a alternate email account I use to do whatever stuff I want that doesn't involve, I don't want my actual email on. So I, for whatever reason, at some point, I've signed on to Trump stuff. Jesus. And so I get a lot of uh, emails to Bob asking asking for money. And so over the last week, there's been ones from Trump, Eric Trump, Mike Pence. You know, they're, they're all asking for donations for like the defense, election defense fund. And it's grift. But if you it's read any of the fine print. Yeah. Yeah. You read the fine print, 60% is going to a Trump pack, and 40% is going to the RNC. So anyone who can do basic math would realize that equals 100%. So the, the only way any of the money actually goes to the legal fights going on right now is if you donate enough to hit the maximum donations that are allowed to PACs and the RNC, which is you have to donate over $8,000 for any of your money not to go to the PAC or the RNC. So yeah, it, it's all grift and political motivations, but I think the danger is I mean, Trump is really a result of the Republican Party not taking a firm stand on birtherism. If all the major Republican leaders, if Republican or conservative media, Fox News, had all come out and said, this is ridiculous, I don't think Donald Trump would be president right now. But they didn't do that because they saw the short-term gains. It helped them take back the Senate in 2014. Obviously, they eventually got the White House, too, so... There were payoffs for it, but long term, you're just sending things deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole of insanity. Like, uh, you know, the, the one Georgia representative now, she's a fervent QAnon supporter. And I'm forgetting his first name, but McCarthy, who's the lead Republican in the House, mm. has said, like, oh, you got to give her a chance. <laughs> No, so you, you got to give people who are saying insane, pedophile conspiracies a chance. No, you don't. But that's the road the party has been on, really, I think, since the Tea Party movement. And then birtherism just doubled down on it, and Trump continues that trend. And so I'm not surprised that he's doing this. I'm not surprised the Republican Party is doing this. And I don't think it's going to stop Biden from being president. But I do think it's going to cause serious damage to just people believing our democracy is legitimate. I think that... It, it, it's funny, and Trevor Noah said it, uh, and, and Bill Maher said it too, that our democracy, and I've noticed it too before they said it, but they put it succinctly, our, our democracy, a lot of what we do is based on the honor system. And so mm-hmm. we there, there isn't a law that you have to concede, but we expect every presidential candidate because they 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 want they believe in america so much they want to be the president of it that they're going to concede and do what's best for our country there there isn't a law that states i would have to look there's a law that states when the transition occurs i guess other than technically the when the electoral college happens but we understand right. that's the thing that you're supposed to do. So, so many of the things that there isn't a law that says you have to divest yourself 
of your company or put it in a blind trust. But even Dick Cheney, as much corruption as he has, realized that he needed to put his halibut shares in a blind trust. So we have this honor system. <laughs> and like on Halloween, if you just put that bucket out there and say, take one, there's always going to be the person that runs up there and takes everything out or takes a handful. And that's what Trump is. And so... It's like we have restrained, and there was a study in 2000, or, or in response to 2000, the 2000 election and after 9-11 happened, that said that our transition taking mm. longer than normal actually left us more vulnerable, and this is very serious stuff, but his supporters mm. don't see that. But I will say, because we've been bashing uh, the conservatives a little bit, I will say in fairness, technically... Sure. The media doesn't co- doesn't decide the elections. We've just all agreed to accept their projections because a they're right, and b even when they screwed up with Al Gore, right. like they got it right by the end of the night, and it wasn't every single network. But technically, he does have the right. Like they're saying, he does have the right to do what he's doing, even though it's kind of fruitless and ridiculous, and. You know, he can wait for the certification. I would hope he wouldn't wait for electoral college. But technically, he's within his rights to do it. But it also shows the weakness of our system that it has been depending on the goodwill of the candidates. Because we the, the system does work off the media projecting it, the guy conceding or the gal, and then the transition starting without the votes being certified. So that's like a huge weakness that he's exposed, which is kind of kind of glorious that we've been able to succeed <laughs> by the honor system, but kind of scary too. Yeah, I think that that's one of the big lessons, not just of the Trump era, but of American politics over the last 20 to 30 years where, I mean, you used to see the, the filibuster was rarely used. Uh, Supreme Court justices, as long as they were qualified and not extreme, both parties voted them in. I mean, we've seen, you know, Newt Gingrich kind of started really exploiting it. McConnell's been a master at exploiting the way that, you know, a lot of this stuff is norms. It's not actual laws. So you can, and, you know, Democrats have often responded in kind. You know, they got rid of the filibuster for judicial appointments outside the Supreme Court. And then McConnell got rid of that. And Trump's really just, again, taking it to even a further extreme. We're just denying reality. But again, <laughs> to your point, he has every legal right to do that. But, you know, as we've seen, everyone else, like Al Gore, you know, there's plenty of argument that he legitimately won that election. But he once the Supreme Court handed down the decision, he knew, you know, I'm probably not going to have any real hope of getting it done now. So I'm going to do what's best for the country, even if I think I still won. Or even say Stacey Abrams in 2018. There, was a, there were actual irregularities in Georgia in 2018 where her opponent was the Secretary of State running the election. <laughs> And, you know, she never officially, you know, conceded, but she moved on. She continuously yeah. battle things out once she or was Richard, over. Richard Milhouse Nixon he had reason to believe <laughs> exactly. that a lot of dead people voted in Illinois. And he conceded in one of the closest elections that we ever had. Right. Richard Nixon realized, like, okay, you know, and this is not a selfless man. But it was like, try to put your country first. 
It's like, yeah, God, like the, the, the narcissism that Trump has. And I think, too, it's it makes me yeah. sad for his supporters. And, and, and I know that they already were brainwashed and cultish. Sorry if you're a Trump supporter, but you are. Um, I mean, not all of it. I guess if you're just doing it for economic reasons, I guess you're not. You realize he's full of shit. But generally speaking, right? It, I, I think the, the, my my thing on Trump supporters is if you voted for Trump because yeah, you wanted low taxes, you're pro life, and you were just like, I'll take that over what Biden's going to do. I strongly disagree with you on a number of on both those stances and just general bigger picture stuff. But you know you're in the cult if you actually think he's a good president. Yeah. That's how you know. Or you believe that this was rigged. There's just not evidence. The funny thing is that Fox News in their news division has jumped off. Not not Neil Cavuto. It was uh, Lou Dobbs cut out of there. We might have been Cavuto. I don't know if it's Cavuto or Dobbs. But they cut uh, Kaylee. Kaylee's speech the press secretary, because she was making up stuff. It's like, if you honestly look at what they're... First of all, they don't look. They just listen to him. But they... The things that they're filing aren't about election fraud. They're procedural things. They're should the mail-in mm-hmm. ballots be counted in Pennsylvania. Uh, I did see one uh, lawsuit about uh, some technical glitches with the machine in uh, Michigan. But for And it's still not widespread. But they're not suggesting widespread voter fraud in the courts because they have no evidence and I'll and I'll give you this one in a second but they, they there's a case where they presented a sticky note as evidence they presented hearsay as evidence and judges have scolded them because they simply don't have evidence there were the blades, the blades broke down some of the complaints <laughs> that people had, and and they basically were normal election procedures. People have no idea. This has always been my pet peeve. People have no idea what the election procedures are, and just because it doesn't seem right or it's against their common sense, they think it's wrong without doing any research, any any understanding of the process. One of my favorite things that's happened over the last week is I, I posted on Facebook um, a story about Trump had invited this group that monitors elections throughout the world. And they have released a preliminary report that said there was no evidence of any wrongdoing. And uh, someone commented on it and they posted a link to this video showing a, YouTube, a CNN tape of the Kentucky government. Yeah, a Kentucky governor's it. race where the Democrat who ultimately won, his number of votes goes up by 560 and the Republicans goes down. And obviously your vote should not go down when you're tabulating <laughs> the ballot. <laughs> Hopefully. But, I mean, you know, it's a, a they immediately cut out as soon as that happens. So you don't see like, oh, maybe they corrected it. Because as we've seen over the last week, there have been times where Someone's posted the wrong thing and they correct it two minutes later. But the best part about this video is that's from the 2019 Kentucky governor's race. <laughs> so it's not evidence of anything, even if it was actual fraud, it would not prove anything about 2020. 
And they were posting it like, well, how do you explain this? And it's just like, these things aren't related. Like, <laughs> they're, they're upset about these Pennsylvania ballots because the Secretary of State there said, you know, the from no, the originally ballots could come in as late as November 9th as long as they were postmarked by Election Day. And she extended it to the 12th. And that got thrown out, I think, today or yesterday. But the thing is, they'd set aside those ballots. They, they never accounted yet because they knew it was being challenged. And even if and even if they had been counted, removing that number from Biden's tally would not have made a difference. Like they're arguing a bunch of things that will not change the results of the election. Yeah, that that's it's almost like if you were playing basketball and you wanted to go back after the game and argue fouls. And like or, or argue non-shooting files, non-bonus files, or something. I don't know. I can't think of something as frivolous, but like something that wouldn't affect the overall outcome. If the Trump administration won all of the lawsuits involving the vo- actual votes, they wouldn't win because they don't have proof of the fraud. All they can do is yeah. fuss about the mail-in ballots, which in Pennsylvania were allowed to be the, the original extension. You, you were talking about the Secretary of State, but the original extension was that they could be postmarked yeah. by Election Day and then um, right. they would still count. And so the our Supreme Court, the National Supreme Court, didn't take that case. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled in favor of that particular extension. So everything's been legally done. Like, what are you talking about? And it's so funny that the people that claim they're for law and order, I, I told a friend this, I said, I thought you were law and order, but you don't like the mail-in va- ballot, so that law is not legitimate. Like, what? And why? And they, and none of these people have done the research. You can track your mail-in mm-hmm. ballots. So it's not this crazy thing <laughs> that is like so ripe to be um corrupted i went to i went to uh vote once uh maybe four years ago maybe thank god it wasn't a presidential election and they told me i was dead because i'm a junior so and i did a, a provisional wow. i didn't even do a provisional ballot because i know provisional ballots are kind of bullshit because that's the first thing they challenged so i went home i was like i'm just not gonna do it you know i, I whatever if it was presidential i might have but i was like i spent like 30 45 minutes there and they called the guy and they had they took my name and my dad's name Stuff like that's gonna happen. Mm. And I'm sure some, it, it maybe it could have been the other way where I could have maybe voted twice and maybe I could have voted for my dad. It's hu- humans run it, but the amount of misinformation and ignorance that that these people fall for is scary. Yeah, um, you mentioned The Blaze. I follow uh, Leon Wolf, who's the uh, managing editor there. And he's done a number of Twitter threads where he's broken down, like, you know, sure, does fraud happen in presidential elections? Sure. You know, like you said, sometimes they don't realize that dead people are dead and someone can cast an extra ballot. Uh, You know, in a rare case, you could vote for instead of someone else, and if they don't show up, you won't get called on it. But... It's impossible to pull off on a major scale because every time you do any of these things, you increase the likelihood you will get caught. Like if you pay people to vote, every single person you pay is going to be a witness that you broke federal law. If you go to the polls and are able to somehow pass yourself off as someone else, 
if that person shows up later to vote, there's a problem. There's going to yeah. be an investigation. But the dip, so it, you know, on the margins, there could be a couple hundred votes in a few, you know, in a bunch of different states, maybe even one or two thousand on a very worst case scenario. So if this was a 2000 Florida case where it was one state and it was 530, I think like six votes, then yeah, there'd be, he, Trump would have good reason to want to investigate every single thing. But when you're talking about tens of thousands of votes, it's just not possible to pull off fraud on that scale. And again, Carl Rove has said this is impossible. The architect of the George Bush campaign. A lot of serious people have said that this is not. Carl, Carl Rove said it would have to be a James Bond thing. And then the logic of it, too, it's like, so you would have to know exactly how much Biden was down and then like supply like 10,000 more vote, votes at the ready. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, oh, he's down. I mean, oh, oh, oh you know, oh, Biden's down. Let's bring in that next pile to do it with nobody seeing it. And and the uh, the monitors or the observers who they said didn't have access, that's not really true. It was a distance thing. It was how many people were in the room. People of Fox have rejected that as well. And the, the, the most damning thing is, if there was really this widespread election fraud, why is Lindsey Graham reelected? Why is Mitch McConnell reelected? Why why do the Republicans gain seats in Congress and we got a toss up for the Senate? That's a really messed up uh <laughs> I mean fraud. It's, it's just it, they can't be that incompetent. And also, how is Sleepy Joe this incompetent Alzheimer's patient <laughs> and at the same time he orchestrated the biggest fraud in the history of our country? It just it just doesn't make sense and it defies logic. It's it's amazing though. That, that, that last point is the one thing that actually I think is a both sides thing where it's the same with Trump. It's like, oh, he's I'm less so now, but leading up to the election, people are like, oh, he's a political, he's a political genius. We got to watch out. He's oh, he did this to distract everyone. Like, no, the guy just has no self-discipline. <laughs> like, he's not purposely like doing any of this stuff. He just has no self-control. He, 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 the one thing he does know how to do is hog the spotlight. That's why he was able to win the primary. Everything after that is mostly luck. Like, it's hard to win three straight presidential elections for one party. Yeah, Hillary had as much baggage as anyone who's ever run for president. The Comey letter came out two weeks before the election. Yeah. Russia was doing stuff, and again... To be clear, Russia didn't change any ballots or anything. Anyone who's ever claimed that is going off the deep end. But they did do stuff to try to manipulate people into voting for Trump or not for Clinton. So a bunch of things happened that helped him win, and everyone's like, well, now he's a genius. No, he got lucky. <laughs> and I think this election really bore out that Donald Trump was just not a good candidate. Because why? unless you think Joe Biden is a great candidate, I think he was a very good candidate specifically to go up against Donald Trump. But, I mean, there's a reason that Republicans only are going to probably lose, I mean, I'm hoping it's more, but probably are only going to lose one Senate seat. They gained House seats. They won a number of seats in state legislatures that they didn't have before. People who voted for Republicans across the board a decent number of them did not vote for Donald Trump yeah. in these key states. I will states, say in his especially. defense, he did up his vote totals. He did get 72 million people to vote yes. for him. He did have true. some turnout. He did expand minorities in some ways. But he, I, I, I think 
it's not all luck. I do think there's some crazy like a Fox stuff to him, but I do think mostly <laughs> it's like he's not disciplined. I mostly agree with you. I 50% agree with you on that. Uh, I mean, he did, but he just shoots himself in the foot if he had any discipline. And honestly, I think he might have still won if there was no COVID or it might have been a little closer. But if he had it would have been very close. If he had any discipline, I mean, it's still kind of close in each state, but if he had any discipline, I think he still could have won because he does have this weird charisma. And when I watch his speeches, like, I'm not mesmerized, but I'm definitely captivated because it's entertaining. It's kind of like a train wreck, but there's something yeah. to it. But and I think too, I think what really was the last nail in the coffin is him catching COVID. Like the irony of that, him looking weak mm. for that period of time. Yeah. How embarrassing that really is when it, and just like like the universe is like saying you suck, man. But let's we could talk about Trump as he all he sucks all the oxygen out of the room. But what have you thought of Biden's behavior since all this went down? Um, you know, I, I think what he's done over the course really of the general election and continuing to now, I think it's the evidence of how much smarter he and the people around him are than a lot of his critics. Because I know some people are like, you know, a coup is happening. You need to get out there. You need to fight it. And then the same thing was going on with COVID. They were like, Joe Biden needs to be out there. You know, they were like Bernie supporters. Yeah, the were basement. Like, who were still angry. Who were like, oh, he's hiding away in a basement. You don't need to do anything. People realized COVID was going badly and Trump was going to take the blame. Right now, if he goes out there and he's trying to fight fire with fire right now, all you're saying to people who aren't paying that much attention is that, oh, there's a real argument here. Maybe, maybe Trump has a point. You know, this is a partisan issue. Yeah. By just saying, you know, I know I won. The, you know, he will turn over power. It's going to happen. And the, again, the media has done a pretty good job over all this. Even, like you said, like Fox has been doing a pretty decent job of being like, no, Donald Trump lost, Joe Biden won. And so you you just let that get handled. He doesn't need to do anything. And so I think he's he's really done a, a just perfect job as far as I can tell. And he's kind of just moved I mean, forward. You know, like, maybe there's a turning point. Like Trump's the toddler. He's really yeah, just, it's like, uh, I, oh God, yeah. I forgot that uh, negative. It's basically that theory where like you just don't, you just ignore the negative behavior and don't negative reinforcement. It's just like, mm-hmm. he's almost ignored Trump and just like so he gave his speech. It. He named his chief of staff. He, he's starting to pick a cabinet. They're doing a little transition on their own. It, it's just like, okay, he's not he's not an adult. You know, I'm the adult. Let's talk about this. And he really mm-hmm. is. That's And I like McCain, and I've liked Biden over the years. That really is what I want to see from a president that can reach across the aisle. Obviously, you have your pet issues, but the nature of our democracy is that there has to be some kind of compromise. So... I like what he's doing. Um, I know liberals probably want to see, we'll see how it goes. I know liberals probably want to see more, but I I don't think, especially the way this went down, 
and, and sometimes you don't know because because I was we were wrong about George Bush. I was going to say this doesn't look like a transformational presidency, but a nine eleven happened though. But it doesn't look like a transformational mm, presidency, yeah. and they were saying that about Bush too, not having a mandate, and it wouldn't be a transformational presidency. Presidency, but yet it was. But but it it looks like at least for the first year or so, it's just kind of a cooling off period, really. <laughs> um, I, mean, I think the, the one thing that will not completely allow that to happen is COVID is, you know, we're going to have to ramp up distribution once we have vaccines. There will have to be at least one more stimulus, whether that happens during the lame duck session or as soon as Biden's in office, there'll be at least one more. I mean, COVID's going to get a lot worse. It's already as bad as it's been in the U S and Thanksgiving and Christmas are about to happen. And I mean, even people who do a good job of it, like, wearing a mask and not having gatherings, they're going to break those rules over the next Eventually, six weeks. Yeah. So it's going to get bad. So so that will be the one thing that I think they'll be able to do. Like maybe he can get some extra stuff into that, like how the stimulus, they were able to put a lot of green energy stuff into the stimulus back in 2009. But, I mean, yeah, overall, he's probably not going to have the Senate. There obviously will be Republicans still saying it's not legitimate. So... Yeah, I, I agree. I'd be very surprised if this is a transformational presidency. But, you know, to your point, it, it just all depends on what happens. You, you can't predict, you know, we couldn't predict COVID, couldn't predict 9-11. Well, I mean, I mean maybe we should have done a better job predicting 9-11. But Perhaps. Yeah. It's a whole other story. And to me, I think this is where it gets very dangerous and where his supporters don't have a, and probably average person too, but his supporters especially, don't have a, it's kind of funny, my, my former hero Rush Limbaugh calls them calls Democrats like this low informational, low information voters, but the Trump, Trump people actually are low information sure. voters. Like, I, I starting to think Well, that, they have the wrong information. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm starting to think and as I saw these Trump rallies right before the election where they were drive the driving rallies or the drive around town rallies, I don't know mm-hmm. if they were there where you were, but I, I'm starting to just think that these people, these colonizers, sometimes I call them, but Trump supporters, but this certain section of white people, maybe 35, 38%, whatever, they don't really... Because my friend is like, oh, they're so patriotic. They have a flag. Like, they're patriotic for the America <laughs> that is their America, but they're not really patriotic for all of America. Mm-hmm. Because if you were really patriotic for all of America, right. you would be like uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. You would be like Hillary Clinton. You would be like Bob Dole. And, and think about the greater good of the whole country. But they really just only want their way and that's so dangerous with the transition where we're leaving ourselves vulnerable and it's not like the rest of the world can't see what's going on just the slowness of the transition and just last time with transition just with trump being so slow to um appoint people and be competent and and just be Mm -hmm. a professional because he just didn't have the mechanism in his campaign to run a good transition it hurts us and leaves us vulnerable in this period 
Yeah, I mean, to your point about the Trump voters, uh, I believe it was a piece on The Bulwark, which is a, yeah, kind yeah, of the, the remainders of the Weekly Standard. So it's the, conser- the conservative anti-Trump site. Yeah, never Trump. Where they had a piece that's just called it the, the, mid- yeah, the, the middle finger election, where what, like the driving force for a lot of these people is just like it's a middle finger to the liberal elites and the media and the idea that if oh if I don't want undocumented immigrants then I'm a racist. It's just you know if I don't want trans people to use the bathroom they want then I'm a bad person. It's just a middle finger to all those ideas and a, a middle finger to the idea of us as a pluralistic society regardless of religion and race and all that stuff. Because yeah they it's largely about preserving their America which you know is primarily white primarily Christian. And so, I mean, that's, I think that's been the big divide and why you see, like, people who are never Trumpers are generally people who have a real dedication to conservative ideology on a policy scale. And the super Trumpers are people who have more national, conservative, nationalistic, cultural drive to their decisions. Yeah, it's too funny, too, because... And you're, you're right, I mean... Democrats used to be attacked for identity no, politics. Leave... That's all this is. This is all the Trump movement is, is identity exactly. politics. It's like, I love 100%. my country too. That's why I think and... it's very important that we have inaugurations right, right. and transitions. And like, when you don't want people's mm-hmm. votes to count, how can you say you love America? And right. I, I would say the most foundational piece of America are free, fair, peaceful elections. Even over freedom of speech and all those kind of things, I think it's democracy. You got to vote for it to be a democracy. And I, we, I'm not going to get into electoral college debate with you, but you have to vote. <laughs> I'm tempted. You have to vote for there to be a democracy. And I just, how do you see that going with the transition? Do you think it'll be bumpy, or what? what how do you think it'll go? Um. Obviously, you know, it's going to be bumpier than it would be ideally because <laughs> everything's being held up. But, you know, I just think I, I think it's going to go I think it'll go better than Obama to Trump just because the people who are coming in are professionals like yeah. Ronald Klain, who was the chief of staff that just got appointed. He was the Ebola czar under under Obama. So like this is his chief of staff. It was a guy who has experience handling, you know, international crises of infectious diseases. Like, that's that guy's the chief of staff. And, you know, you're going to get a bunch of Obama people who have experience. You know, some people are going to go all the way back to the Clinton administration. So you're going to have very experienced people in a lot of these positions. So I'm not overly worried about it. You know, it's not ideal. It does leave a little bit of risk. And it's especially not ideal when, again... We're going to need to be getting out tens of millions of vaccines, hopefully early in 2021. And that's going to be a major task. And the earlier the people are able to coordinate on that, the better. But I'm not overly concerned about it, at least not at this point. Why were the damn polls so wrong again? Um, I got I, I, I do think, obviously, we have issues in polling. I think that's clear. Um, I, saw, I saw a map that uh, 
where someone, one of the election guys that I follow on Twitter posted a map where if you just applied how off the polls were in 2016 to the polling numbers this year, you would have projected 49 out of 50 states, which is better than the actual models did. But one thing I want to drive home, though, is the polling has some significant issues. I think one of the driving forces of that is, you know, people are less likely to answer their phones, which is the most reliable way to do polling. And I, there's some evidence that non-college educated people are even less likely to answer those calls, which I think could explain some of the reason why Trump and Republicans have overachieved in these in 2016, 2020. But the actual models haven't done that poorly because again, they actually got 48 out of 50 right. They missed Florida and they missed North Carolina and that's it, they got the rest. And I think the way that it played out is really coloring the way we view it, where because on election night, it looked like chaos and we didn't know till Saturday it didn't get declared by the media that it was over. Versus the idea that everything was haywire, no one knew what was going on. But if all those ballots in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, all the mail-in ones had counted the week leading up to the election, we would have known Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, who won the election. But I would say even so I still, I push back on that. Off. I push back on that with like even the national polls. The last ones I saw were like seven or eight, and it's really only a three yeah. now. And so, and like the Wisconsin polls, they gosh, one of them had seventeen. So Wisconsin like, was way off. Yeah, Wisconsin's way off. off. Michigan, I feel like, was a little bit more off. Uh, Arizona was a toss up. But even even some of the individual state. I mean, to your point, that's true. But like individually in the states, though, like what it was right about Biden winning, but it, the the. They weren't in the margin. Well, Florida was, but they weren't. But even with Florida, like Biden was favored by like three. And yes, in the margin sure. of error. But I think what Trump ended up winning by two or three. Like it should be a five point swing. Like these swings between what the real result was and 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 what the projection was were kind of off, though. I mean, to that point, though, the margin of error generally is three to four points. And that's probably around where it's going to be off in the national polls. And a number of these key swing states. And yeah, like Arizona was fairly accurate. Georgia was fairly accurate. But yeah, there, again, like 16, there were some key misses. Well, Wisconsin's just kind of a weird state, I think. Like, the last, every election this century... That Barack Obama yeah, was it not out. running. Yeah. The winner of Wisconsin won by less than one percent. So I don't, Wisconsin just seems destined to be yeah. at one percent, regardless of what the polls are. And there were there was some really good polling too. I know the Seltzer poll in Iowa. Everyone was kind of like, "Is this real?" Yeah, I remember because that. Yeah. A lot of the polling was showing, you know, Iowa. Iowa was a toss up, and they were like, "Trump's got it." Uh, Ernst is going to, she's up seven in the Senate race. And both those were supposed to be toss-ups. And their numbers ended up being, like, dead on. So there is some good polling. But, you know, I, I think, you know, after 16, more people started waiting by education. Because yeah. for people who don't follow polls, you know, you're polling 
optimistically, a, you know, a large sample poll is going to be 1,000 to 1,500 people. And so you have to then project those numbers out to the rest of the population. So if you have, you know, 20% African Americans in your poll, but the actual state you're polling only is 12%, then you would adjust those numbers down. A lot of people were not doing that with education in 2016. That's one of the reasons they were off then. More of them are doing it now. But obviously that wasn't the only thing that's throwing yeah. everything off because the error was very similar to last time. And to time. that point, so, like, to the, what you I, said, I to back the overall, up that point, the margin of error yeah. is important, but the error shouldn't always be in one way. Like if, the margin of error shouldn't but, but, always be against Trump. But, but here's the thing. In, 20, in 2018, granted, Trump was not on the ballot. So there could just be a Trump thing. Yeah, I, I do here. believe it's a Trump 2018, thing. outside of Florida, the polls were generally underestimating Democrats. So there has been some swing. I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in 2022, in 2024, with Trump off the ballot, because I, I think he... I'm really interested to see what effect he's had. Because to your point, he got 70, his current number is over 72 million votes. Barack Obama had the highest number ever in 2008. And granted, you know, population grows. But he had the highest number ever at 69 million in 2008. So Trump would have been, by the sheer numbers, he got more votes than anyone ever except for Joe Biden. So he... And I think that has more to do with Donald Trump than Joe Biden, both on the, the, on the left and the right. So he's clearly driven up participation in our democracy. I guess that's the one good thing you could say that Trump's <laughs> on both done sides, on both sides. for our democracy. But then again, also some of those people who came to the polls voted for Republicans and did not vote for him. So I, I'll be really curious. I, I don't think, you know, we all make guesses as to what, what went wrong, why things were off. And some of them will be true, and some of them will turn out to be wrong. We'll find out later. And I don't think we're going to know for sure exactly what went wrong, whether it is a Trump phenomenon or there is just generally a growing problem in polling until we see more elections. But my overall thing with the polling is clearly the polling has issues it's always had issues. It will continue to have issues. They could get bigger. They could get smaller. But I think the actual people who, like, made Silver in 538, I think they did a pretty good job. They said Biden's very likely to win. The polling error would have to be even greater than it was in 2016. And I think it's at least at that level, and he's, Biden's still going to win. So they were right. But they were always also saying, hey, there's a 10% chance. The Economist, I think, had it like 5%. But both of them were saying, it's not nothing. There is a real chance. You shouldn't look at an eight-point lead and think that's definitely going to happen. But you also shouldn't be like half of Americans on the right and left who were just like, Trump's going to win. Polls don't mean anything. Yeah. So I think the, the people who are doing analysis of the polls did a pretty good job in this election. But the actual polls, yeah, I, I don't think they were as awful as some people think right now because of the way it played out, but they weren't good. I definitely can't say, like, the majority of polling was great this year and everything's fixed. Like, there's still a lot to work through. Speaking of the GOP and post-Trump and God knows, he, I hope he doesn't run in 2024. I don't know how old he would be, but pretty freaking old. But what... 
I want to be optimistic and think that this will be the Mitt Romney, John McCain, um, Bob Dole, I guess even, but I say Mitt Romney, John McCain, that the Republican Party will be mainstream again. But I'm starting Mm -hmm. to fear that Trump losing doesn't mean the fever breaks. That they just go further right. into lunacy. What do you think? I like you. I want to be optimistic. I mean, you know, I, I know you, you have conservative to centrist leanings, and you know, I, I'm a pretty progressive person. But I, I used to be a registered Republican. I, I in 2008, Barack Obama was the only Democrat I voted for, and I almost I made that decision like a week before the election. I almost voted for McCain. So I want there to be reasonable Republicans that, like, I think it's healthy to have a center-left and a center-right party arguing over ideas. I think that's the ideal. So I want that. I can't say I'm optimistic. I know, you know, Obama was hoping when he won re-election, that would break the fever because they would no longer be dedicated to stopping him from winning election. That did not happen at all. And I think... You know, I, I think the fact that they held on to the Senate, they didn't get punished. You know, the only person who really got punished was Trump for all the crazy stuff he does and how inept and corrupt he is. He's the only one. The rest of the party did perfectly fine in this election. So I don't think there's going to be any true motivator for them to change. The thing that's wild about it, though, is because of the advantage, you know, in the Electoral College, which may, may not be consistently a conservative advantage. It generally benefited Obama and Kerry. But that's currently looks like a slight advantage for them. And the Senate's a huge advantage for Republicans. So if they just did run mainstream people who were relatable, I think that was the problem with Mitt Romney is they were able to paint him as an out-of-touch rich guy. But if you can put someone out there who has a decent amount of charisma, doesn't come off as they only care about rich people, and they're competent, and they don't say racist and sexist things, the Republican Party is in a great situation to, like, dominate this decade. But I don't expect them to pick that because their most dedicated voters are becoming more and more extreme. And so, and again, the party didn't get punished. So I don't expect them to change. I, you know, fingers crossed, maybe they'll get a decent candidate in 2024. Because, you know, in 2012, I thought, after the Tea Party, the Republican Party was already becoming kind of unhinged, and Mitt Romney was a reasonable guy to nominate. But even if they get that person, unless that person can really steer things back towards the center, then I'm not optimistic. I I expect them to retake the House in 2022, and I expect this course to just continue. Like, how, uh, do you do you how, actually feel optimism, or do you're just hoping for it? Uh, oh. I, I I I hope I think it's hope mentally. I, I don't know how we get back to a party that could elect Jeb Bush, a party that could elect Marco Rubio, even a party that could. Well, Chris Christie was going to win because people are biased; they don't elect fat people to be president. They just don't. But whatever. <laughs> it's it's, politics, it's, right? it's well, true. They outside just, of Donald they, Trump, I guess. But. Well, yeah, I guess it depends on what you call fat. 
But I mean, morbidly. But that, no, that's true. Yeah, right. I mean, morbidly right. obese. Like you know, Trump can walk. Sorry, Chris Christie, I like you, but like when Trump got it, we weren't sure if he was gonna die. Yeah. Like I thought Chris Christie was gonna die immediately. I was like, he's a corporate corporatality. So, but uh, I, I those kind of Republicans or even the Paul Ryan's. Like, how do you, uh, I, I don't see how the party can embrace that nationwide anymore. You know, the Romneys, that's what scares me. Like, if the party was smart, Romney would be a candidate, even though he, he's actually getting old, even though he looks good, he's getting old. Yeah, but he is now. What, what, how is that going to happen with these people? These people are going to still want their red meat. And if mm. you don't give it to them, there's always going to be the Tea Party, the Trumper, that, that's gonna appeal to, they're not qualified. But in some ways, though, it's good because a lot of these unqualified candidates that are running these primaries actually have not won. Like we were all, people always get really nervous about these Tea Party challengers yeah. or these hard right wing challengers. And some would win, but a lot of them have been repudiated. So it's a, I, I, I really don't know. But I'm scared of Tucker Carlson running. I'm scared of Don Jr. running. I'm scared of Tom Cotton <laughs> running. Like I, I, I really yeah. like if I was putting my money on it, it'd be like Tom Cotton that would win the nomination. Like somebody like that that is gonna mm-hmm. basically what I what I call white supremacy, low key white supremacy. Uh, they're pushing and appealing to white pride and nationalism and tradition. Like if you don't have that, you have to do that a little bit to be a Republican, but some of it can be just be veiled as patriotism and all that kind of stuff. But (laughs) that element of hardcore going after or going after white grievance, I think that, that iron mm. is still hot in the party and it's going to be for a long time to come. And I think the other part of this too is, you know, that none of this excuses it, but obviously a lot of this is in reaction to what's going on on the left where you like trans bathrooms, you know, that's something that the left's not generally going to back down on that. They're not going to back down on, you know, obviously, I don't expect the whole left to just start being about defunding and abolishing the police, but there's going to be pushes for reform. I mean, we've seen presidential candidates talk about, you know, uh, reparations. Like these are things that are very easy to those easily trigger a lot of people on the right, and so it's so easy to grift off of it, as we've seen a bunch of people do, including yes, Donald Trump. Very easily, it's easy to motivate people to vote on this stuff, and it like. Look at like look at guns. Like w- <laughs> there hasn't been a major national gun law passed since like the assault yeah. rifle ban in the nineties. But Gays you can always get people to show up to the polls if you tell them that someone's going to take their guns. Gays got guns. So That's it's, normal it's, though. But they, the the white part, the 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 believing that they're losing some part of this country and the slip of the white grip but uh, of the multiculturalism. It's the Obama reaction. Yeah, the Obama reaction. The, the 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 caravan reaction. It was so funny that the caravan was coming to get everybody, but then once the I believe it was the midterms were over, you didn't hear about the caravans anymore. 
it's just that and and running on the wall that's where it just became so overt (laughs) that it even i think it swayed people that wouldn't talk about it but that trump was so willing to talk Mm -hmm. about it that they were like yeah 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 so yeah it's uh right he he threw out the dog whistle for the bullhorn yeah 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 exactly and so i I think i think one of the the interesting things though is that uh Obama's election caused a rise of like, I mean, legitimately white supremacy on the right. And then Trump's almost done the opposite on the left, where if you look at the polling of like what white liberals, how they view race, it's much more closer aligned to like how black people view more racial issues now than it was pre-Trump. So I think both of their elections have caused people on the opposite side to move further away from the center. So yeah. I, I, that's just, I, I don't really have a, but hopefully Biden, I guess, can kind of bring people back in that <laughs> he's just a very normal old white guy politician. But it's just, you know, that that's one of the things I think makes it hard to be optimistic though, is because, you know, the country's not gonna get whiter. So that issue's not gonna go away. And so people are just going to get further and further divided. And I think, uh, last thought, I think it's, uh, I want to I parallel the sports. The Republicans are like the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar like Jackson. It. You can, short term, <laughs> running your quarterback all the time and doing that is fine mm-hmm. when you're playing the Cleveland Browns. But when you have to get behind that, that was the first time last week was the first time Lamar Jackson ever came back from a two score lead. And that was against the Colts. So, but long term, Mm. you can't continue it. It's just not sustainable. And this year you see a drop off. And so the Republican party, as the country continues to get browner and browner and browner, and we see Texas coming closer and closer to turning and we see Georgia turned and we see Arizona turned. And even, I mean, Pennsylvania traditionally was kind of uh, democratic before this, but it did turn back. You you can't, but let's look, focus on Georgia, Arizona, and Texas. When Texas mm-hmm. turns, and if Georgia and Arizona continue to turn, they can't win elections. So eventually, it's just a numbers game where you no longer have enough non- non-college educated whites and it's they're playing the numbers game but eventually it just it's just not sustainable so yeah that's true except that there's one way where you can combat that well there's two one is to embrace multiculturalism i mean what was it reagan said that latino voters are republicans they just don't know it yet yeah, yeah. Like a lot of them are religious. They a lot of them are pro life. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cubans are super anti. He made ground. Socialism. He made ground with them so, in Texas and, and Florida too. Yeah. So, like, there's the option to do that, and I mean, there was a time also where Republicans. Well, I mean, there was a time when they dominated the black vote, and then there was a time where it was went back and forth until the Southern strategy, civil rights movement, and all that. So they could steer back into this and still, you know, just be the more moderate version of it. You know, like, don't say anything about reparations, but kind of ease their white, worried people into that. They could do that. But so far what they've done is 
they drop maps that you know they gerrymander so yeah. that Democrats almost have no chance to win you know the state legislatures. And when a Democratic governor gets elected, like in North Carolina or Wisconsin, the legislature then takes away powers from that governor. We've seen, you know, an increase in trying to, you know, quotation marks, you know, combat voter fraud, but really it's trying to make it harder for people to vote. Voter suppression. You know, the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, voter suppression. The Voting Rights Act got gutted by the Supreme Court, and we've seen a ton of stuff happened since then, you know, like polling places are smaller in a lot of states. Uh, they've closed down DMVs in places to make it harder to get driver's licenses. So the Republican Party thus far has steered into anti-democratic tendencies. I mean, after after 2012, they wrote that whole uh, biopsy report that said we have to start courting Latino voters more, and instead the party nominated Donald Trump. So there are two paths, and one of them leads to a much healthier democracy, a much healthier place on race in general, because things will be better if both sides are competing for people of every race. But on the other is just trying to make it so you can rule via minority. And the Senate's already set up for them to do that, the, the way that things have broken down. So I, I'm, and uh, you know, Texas turning blue, that could happen not too long, but not too long could be three elections from now. And a lot can happen between now and like 2032. So, you know, I, I hope, I hope they steer into the direction of away from white supremacy towards democracy, towards a, uh, one last thing. I'll just, two last things I'll say, cause I, I know I've been, saying a lot on this podcast. One, we, we talked about how voting, and uh, you specifically said, it's like one of the, it's like the most American thing you can do. So, so like trying to take away people's votes seems anti-American, but like everything else, it's really a norm. There's no, there's nothing that guarantees your right to vote. There's no law that guarantees it. There are laws that say you can't take away someone's right to vote for certain things. You can't take it away because of gender, you can't take it away because of race. Well, there's a bunch of workarounds. <laughs> and then the other thing is, as as much as I do ultimately think, you know, we got through Trump, we'll get through whatever is going to happen. You know, American democracy isn't really 240, 30 years old. It's really about 55 years old because that's when... We got the Voting Rights Act, the Civil mm -hmm. Rights Act, yeah, in 1965. Yeah. That, because up until then, the South was just straight up a white supremacist state. And so we've only really had a true democracy where everyone, for the most part, has the opportunity to vote for about 55 years. So the idea that like we're indestructible as a democracy I think we have to remember that's not true. We have to fight for this. You know, as people fought in the 1960s, people like Stacey Abrams are fighting now. We all have to be dedicated to that on some level if we want this to work. I agree. I, th I think, gosh, I, I don't even know how we've gotten where we've gotten just where, like I said, just 
that people, I mean, I guess I knew it too. People really don't want to count votes. And particularly the people that are affected by that are black and brown people the most. And so, yeah, you're, you, I think you summed it up as wonderfully and eloquently as anybody could because you're the smartest man at IBN. thank you for coming on the show joe uh and again also just to plug joe also has become uh, a mainstay on the ibn network he also does our daily fantasy football podcast when i say daily fantasy i mean the kind of fantasy uh he also does that with keith fleming so be on the lookout for that on the podcast feed they are hot and i've been using their picks and i'm I was, uh, I'm in a 12-team league that's weekly and ongoing, and I'm in the top five now, and I was in last place. So I've been following y'all for the last four weeks. So, But again, thank you, Joe. Yeah, I'm always